So let's bring Jim in, and uh, he'll talk a little MLB with us. Hello, Jim. How are you? Good to have you. Good to have you. Good, good, good to talk to you. I'm doing well. Um, obviously, uh, if anybody's a baseball fan, it's a big day tomorrow because it's the start of the regular season. But I'm not sure about baseball fans in the state of Florida, Jim, as far as pro baseball is concerned. Uh, you, you look at the Rays and you, know, you look at the Marlins, I, I don't see much hope for, for great success. Do you? No, I mean, not this year, certainly. Uh, you know, Marlins, I think, are, you know, if you're, if you're, I, mean, I don't even see me, but if you're a Marlins fan, I mean, what you're probably rooting for, to be honest, is to have the number one overall pick in the 2019 draft. I mean, <laughs> their rotation's awful, and I, I, I think in a lot of their trades, they didn't get enough of their players. I've said that several times. Um, you, you can't go out and tell everybody, oh, we got to get rid of these guys and expect to get good value for him. And I totally disagree with the idea that they had to trade Giancarlo Stanton now. His contract didn't become owners until a couple more years down the line. And I think he would – I mean, not that they were going to get into a two-year you know, game of chicken, but if the Marlins had held on to him, I think he would have opted out of his contract in a couple of years from now, barring some sort of serious injury. So I, I do think they've added some talent to their farm system, but not enough. I mean, they, they, like I said, they've got probably the worst rotation in baseball. One of the worst lineups, not a lot of immediate help this year. I mean, this is a team that, that probably is going to lose more than 100 games this year. Wow. And, uh, you know, Tampa ha- has been sort of, you know, hedging around 500. I, to me, I think if they finish it about that, a pretty good year for them. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because – you know, everybody gets, you know, Bristol's kind of all this talk about tanking or, or you know, there are some incentives not to win. But, you know, when you kind of get stuck in the middle like the Rays have for a few years, you, you, you kind of, it's hard to get out of there. I mean, they're in a division. I mean, they've got two of the best teams in baseball in the Yankees and Red Sox who almost certainly are going to finish 1-2 or 2-1, and, and one's going to win the division, one's going to be the wild card. And I think the Blue Jays are going to be improved. Um, I think realistically, the the Rays, you know, probably the, the best they could do is third place. I, I don't really see them. You know, I mean, I guess there's a scenario, but it's hard to necessarily come up with one. If you're trying to figure it, like, I guess stack up teams for that second wild card, they'd probably be, I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth in line. But, you know, the high water mark for them is probably finish third place, uh, you know, with a, with a game of a record a few games over 500 in the American League. I mean, they've got more help in their farm system. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, I know they're going to go with a four-man rotation. You know, we'll, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, yeah, I think they're going to go four-man rotation and some extended relief outings. But, um, you know, it's just hard when you look at that lineup, you know, going up against the Yankees and Red Sox. Uh, they're, they're, it's, yeah, I can't imagine a scenario where the Rays would finish ahead of either one of those teams. Jim, by the way, MLB.com draft and prospect experts been covering the draft since the late 80s, so I want to kind of get into that a little bit. Um, Obviously here at Florida, Brady Singer, Jackson Kowar, uh, as you look at those two guys in particular, and Jonathan India has been tearing it up at the plate. Where do you see some of these Gator players in terms of uh, MLB prospects? Yeah, you know, I mean, Singer entered the year, I think, as the consensus number one overall draft prospect. I don't think he's been quite as dominant as scouts would hope. I mean, I, I think... I don't think he'd go number one overall today, 
but I still think there's a very good chance that both he and Coar go in the top ten picks. I mean, you can find scouts out there who like Coar a little bit more than Singer, um, but I think they're both definitely going to be first-round picks. And, and then uh, you, you mentioned Jonathan India, who, who's bounced back after he had an injury-riddled kind of down season last year. I mean, I, I think uh, India probably winds up, you know, right now if I had to guess, I'd probably say second-round pick. But if he continues to hit like he's hit, which last time I checked was like 430 yeah. with nine homers in half a season, then he very well might hit his way into the first round. I mean, Florida fan, I mean, I think it's kind of similar. I mean, he's not a, a, a redshirt junior like Brent Rooker was last year, but it was kind of like Brent Rooker last year. Uh, and I think India had more of a prospect pedigree than Rooker, but Rooker got off to his hot start. I was like, oh, okay, you know, the guy's hit himself in the second or third round. And then by the end of it, you know, he winds up winning the SEC Triple Crown, which the only other guy who did that was Rafael Palmero, and he wound up going, you know, early in the supplemental first round. So if, if India can keep this up, um, then, you know, the first round isn't out of the question. I mean, you know, is he going to hit 430 with 18-plus home runs? Probably not. Is he going to keep hitting 571 in SEC play with a home run every other game? Probably not. But he's, I, I think he's showing this year what, what scouts felt like he could do. His season, obviously, I don't think he's complaining about getting a College World Series ring, but just the season last year was not quite what he hoped, uh, to, hoped to have you know, because of injuries. All right, let's flip it, uh, Jim, now to the start of the MLB season. You know, everybody wants to know, you know, the, the, the prospects to look out for as the MLB season unfolds. Give me a few that, in your view, could really help teams uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say my, my top two, um, and I don't think these are any, any shocking picks, but my top two rookie of the year picks in each league, in the American League, I'd go with Shohei Otani, the two-way guy with the Angels, and, and Willie Calhoun, the outfielder with the Rangers. And I know... Uh, you know, I don't put a lot of stock, Steve, in the spring training stats because it's small sample sizes and the quality of competition varies, and sometimes guys can be working on things or making adjustments or whatever. And I know Otani hasn't had a great spring, and I know Willie Calhoun's down in the minors right now, but I, I do think both those guys are going to be fine. I, I think Otani will probably make a bigger impact immediately as a pitcher than a hitter. Uh, you know, exciting two-way guy. I mean, he, he's a guy who can throw 102 miles an hour with a wipeout slider, wipeout splitter. He's got well above average raw power and speed, and and that's why they called him you know, a two-way star in Japan and Babe Ruth in Japan and all that. And, and he's had a very rough spring, but I think people, you know, have to give him a little slack. You know, look, the guy's trying to do both. It's not like you're just focusing on pitching. I mean, you're, you know, it'll be interesting to see how long it, it, it works both ways. This was a guy, Steve, you're going to have to let play both ways to be able to sign him because he didn't have to come over if he waited two years. I mean, he probably cost himself literally $150 million or more wow. by coming over as young as he did because of the way the rules work for international signings. If he waits until he's 25, he's just a pure free agent. This When he came over now, he was subject to, to bonus limits, and because of that, I, I think one of the reasons he did was to dictate, okay, look, I'll come over now, but you have to let me play both ways. That said, you know, if he struggles at the plate – and he becomes a full-time pitcher, and he's got Cy Young stuff. If, if that happens, I, I don't think the Angels would complain. And, I, and I've said this a million times on a million shows. Not like anyone the Angels has told me this, and I, they would never say this publicly, but I, I don't think that they'd be upset if he struggled enough to play. And they said, you know what, let's just make you a full-time pitcher. Because I, I do think it's so difficult to do both. While the fan of me wants to see him try to do both, I think it's so difficult. It's so demanding physically and mentally that it's going to be tough to be as good as you can in either if you're trying to do both. And I don't think the Angels are going to be heartbroken if he becomes a pitcher. And then um, uh, the other guy I mentioned, Willie Calhoun, 
one of the best hitters in the minors for average and power. He's got tremendous power and rarely swings and misses. I, I think in, in Texas he could hit, you know, if, if he got a full season playing time, and I think he'll be up pretty quick, he could hit 25 homers a, a, as a rookie. He, he's that good. He was the big guy in the U Darvish trade last year with the Dodgers. In the National League, uh, I think the top two rookie guys are, are both in the National League East. Ronald Acuna, the Braves, who is five-tool potential, just crazy good. You know, hit 20 homers, 40 steals last year in the minors, got the Triple A at age 19, tore up the Arizona Fall League where he was the MVP. Uh, he's going to be a superstar, and I think he'll be up, you know, once they get around some service time issues and can delay his free agency a year. And then the other guy, I was going to say, Victor Robles of the Nationals. Like Acuna, on paper he's blocked, but he's very, very talented. Not doesn't have Acuna's power, but he's another five-tool outfielder where he's, he's going to have, you know, decent power. But I think he might be a little bit better hitter than Acuna, and he's faster, and he might be the best defensive player player among all prospects anywhere in baseball. So some exciting impact guys will be up this year. Our guest, Jim Callis, MLB.com uh, draft and prospect expert, talking prospects and talking a little bit about the opening of the MLB season, too. Jim, I'll, I'll end with two questions. Uh, organizationally, a team that comes to mind that has a lot of top prospects, I think, are the White Sox. Do you agree with that? And then give me two or three other organizations that you like in terms of the prospects for the future. Yeah, I think the top three farm systems, and you could kind of argue them in any order, are the Padres, the Braves, and the White Sox. D definitely. And it'll be interesting because I, I do think, and we've seen that you see this a lot, we saw it last year with the Twins and Brewers, we've seen it in past years with the Cubs and Astros. When you have these teams that have these absolutely loaded farm systems, they sometimes surprise you by jumping into contention a little quicker than expected. And I, and I, I can't tell you which one, but I would bet that one of those three teams makes – I'm not saying they'll make the playoffs, but I'll bet one of those three teams, you know, some of their young guys are ready a little quicker than we think, and they might be better than we expected and make a surprise run at a wild card this year. Another team that, that, that's kind of scary to think about is the Yankees might have the deepest farm system around, even after promoting a bunch of guys like Judge and – Sanchez and Severino and Jordan Montgomery and making trades to get Sonny Gray and Todd Frazier and David Robertson and Giancarlo Stanton, their farm system's still loaded. And what it's, it, it's scary for the rest of baseball is they, the Yankees are actually going to be under the luxury tax this, this season. It's going to reset their penalty rate when they go over it again in the future, and it gives them plenty of ammunition. I mean, they're going to have a bunch of they, – they, they have a bunch of young players now who don't cost very much. They have a bunch of young players coming who aren't going to cost very much. And they're the Yankees, and they can still spend a trillion dollars if they want. So I think the Yankees are really set up to dominate over the next four or six years. I mean, it doesn't mean they'll necessarily win the World Series every year because, you know, with three rounds of playoffs, that's tough. But I just think the Yankees, I think the Yankees have as bright a future as any team over the next five or six years right now. Okay. My last question is a two-parter. Uh, it, it, it amazes me that guys with baseball pedigree, uh, Dusty Baker, um, and then you look at the Yankees' managerial situation. Um, th those organizations let those guys go for, and in the Yankees' case, a guy that hasn't managed. So my first question is, is that a big deal? I guess it is a big deal. Are, are teams looking for players and making these moves that relate more to the modern player, so to speak? And the second thing is, the Nationals. It just seems to me, with the impending free agency of Bryce Harper, their window to win might be pretty much now or next year. Do you agree with that? 
Um, well, the first question, I think it's the modern player. I also think it's the modern front office. I mean, if you think about it, or, you know, when, when I was growing up, I mean, I'm 50 now. When I was a kid, you know, the manager was kind of the strong personality, and you didn't necessarily even, you know, unless you were a, a real diehard fan, know who the GM of the team was. Those guys weren't as visible. And now I think... I think most front offices view the manager, they don't want that necessarily dominant personality. They want a guy who's an extension of the front office, who can communicate, who can kind of bridge the gap between analytics and that type of stuff and you know, and, and translating that into to making changes on the field. Um, they, uh, they want a manager who will, you know, do you know, kind of you know, be in step with the front office. You know, in the days of Billy Martin, you're doing what he what he thinks is right, you know, front office be damned. That's just not going to happen anymore. And, and I do think that's a trend that's not necessarily going away soon. With the Nationals, I, I think yes and no. I wouldn't – I don't think it's a given that Bryce Harper necessarily leaves. I mean, I don't think he's, he's anywhere close to a lock to stay. But, you know, I mean, Steven Strasburg seemed like he was a guy who might leave and they found a way to pay him, and maybe they'll do the same thing with Harper. And I still think, well, I don't think it's just this year, um, but, you know, if you lose Harper, that's a blow, but you're still going to have, you know, going into 2019, you're going to have Scherzer, you're going to have Strasburg, you're going to have Anthony Rendon, you're going to have Victor Robles, who I just talked about, who I think is going to be a superstar, you're going to have Michael Taylor. So you're going to have... You're going to have some guys still there. I, I do, you know. Obviously, they'll take a hit without Bryce Harper, but I don't think if they lose Bryce Harper, that that means this is the the end for you know the, this current window for the Nationals. Okay, Jim, where can people see your work? Um, the best place to go is just go to MLBPipeline.com. Everything there is free. We've we've got scouting reports on the top 30 prospects for every team. We're about to update our draft stuff. There's video on all those guys. There's, there's scouting grades, and also if you go to my Twitter feed, Jim Callis MLB. I try to link every time I do a story and, and to a lot of other stuff other guys do as part of the Pipeline team. Okay. It's always good stuff when we have you, and uh, I'd like to have you back a little bit later on as the draft gets closer and maybe see where some of these prospects are going to end up and, and where some of these prospects will, will – how they'll do as the season progresses. Appreciate your time, yeah, Jim. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, your time. Thank great. you. Thank you. You got it. Jim Callis knows his stuff. Uh, MLB.com.